you may be seated. So it is great to see you tonight. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're a guest with us tonight, I want to tell you, I normally don't dress this way. <laughs> in fact, I walked in and some lady said, who died? Because, I mean, I have, this is my Merriam and Barium suit, right? But guys, can I tell you, I, I dress up for special occasions. And this night is a holy and happy night. And I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you're here. It's a holy night because this very night we're celebrating our great God and what he has done to save a fallen, broken sinner, gift him and call him into the pastoral ministry. And we're celebrating. This is really about what God has done. It's a, it's a holy moment, but it's also a happy moment. In fact, how many of you here tonight, you're a parent? You're a parent. Well, can I tell you, parents, we're, we're a church family. And parents, we know whenever our kids do good, it's a happy moment, right? Well, if you know Lance, he's kind of a big kid, right? But can I tell you, can I tell you, he's our kid. <laughs> and he's God's kid. And he's done good. He's done good. And we're so proud of you. I have, I have the high honor in leading us in the pastoral ordination of Lance Huff. And as we ordain Lance, can I tell you, it's about God. It's about Lance, but it's also about you. Can I remind you? I want us to be clear that God calls all of us to do his work. He calls all of us into the ministry. In fact, we have a phrase here at Crossroads we like to use, every member is a minister. We're all called to do God's work. In fact, look at the screens and, and check out what it says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we'll, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Friends, that verse tells us that pastors are God's gifts to the church. And Lance, I'm so glad that God gifted us with you. Our job as pastors is not to be ministry hogs. It's not to do all the ministry, but to equip God's people to do God's work so the church can grow. And part of what we want to do here tonight is we want to celebrate God's good gift of giving us Lance to be one of our pastors and to affirm God's calling on his life. Now at Crossroads, we ordain people who have not only sensed God's call in their life, but people who have faithfully and sacrificially followed that call by serving where they are at. And along the journey of serving, by demonstrating character and competency and fruitfulness under the accountability of the church body, meaning we ordain people who have shown it, who have lived it, who have brought it. And Lance, I want to tell you, I've watched you for the last five years. Dude, you brought it. You brought it on every level. 
Can I tell you, many, maybe you don't know Lance's story, but I can tell you this. For, the last, for 20 years, he served at Crosswinds Church in Dublin, 13 as a volunteer, and they couldn't let him go, so they hired him. He served on staff for seven years, and then he came here, and we were smart enough to recognize Lance is so gifted, we gave him two jobs, <laughs> right? Half-time junior high ministry and half-time creative arts. And about two and a half years into it, I had to have the heartbreaking conversation that Lance, man, I need your full-time focus and help in the creative arts ministry. And I'm going to ask you to pass a baton in junior high ministry so you can help us plan and prepare life-changing services in here. And man, it was a tough transition because he loved those kids. And I watched him with grit and grace transition to pour out his heart to help us plan and create these God moments so that God can touch and change people's lives from the inside out. And Lance, it's been a joy to serve alongside and, to, and uh, it's not only as a church family, but personally, I take a lot of joy tonight in ordaining you as a pastor. So this is what we're doing. Tonight we are going to bestow on Lance all the rights and responsibilities that come with being an ordained minister of the gospel. Now there are some people here tonight who uh, want to testify to your character and calling. And I've heard that true integrity is when people who have known you the longest and who know you the best respect you the most. And there are two people here tonight who have known you for a long time and they want to give testimony to God's calling on your life. So I'd like to, at this time, invite our resident pastoral counselor, Jim Matthews, to come. And after that, our very own student ministries pastor, Mike Mason, will also share on Lance's behalf. So let's welcome him now. Every old man should have the good fortune of discovering a Lance in his life. And I am that fortunate old man. For a decade now, Lance and I have sat in offices and restaurants, and we have playfully schemed mischief that uh, caused us to leave laughing our behinds off. At times we puzzled over the quandaries of life that left us scratching our heads. Sometimes we explored the deep structures of our own souls and we left wiping our eyes. At times we tried to plot the unplottable meanings of meanderings of our lives and we left saying to each other, I don't know if I can say this in church, but crap, I don't know, man. <laughs> and we have both been seduced by Christ into the madness of the ministry, and we both left saying yes. So tonight, I bless you, my dear friend, as you receive the sacrament of ordination. As one old preacher put it, may God give you the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the skin of a rhino <laughs> to flourish in this calling. 
And in honor of that landmark, I, uh, uh, this landmark in your life, I've taken the liberty to write you just a little piece I want to write, uh, read for you, okay? Uh, this is called Pastoral Artists. His largeness of heart beats fiercely not only for the theatrical arts, the culinary arts, and the technical arts, but like St. Luke's Emmaus Road Travelers, his heart burns for the sacramental arts of benediction, of Holy Eucharist, of spirit silence, and of mercy tears. The heart of this artist plies his craft with scripture strokes on canvas lives of Christ-loved sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. In his studio of church pew, local Starbucks, kitchen table, and hospital bedside. His works valued in kingdom currency, beauty for beauty's sake. The sorrow of life is the joy of art. So go forth, dear brother, to the joyful sorrow of pastoral artistry in the name of our creation, Calvary craftsman, Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, everybody. So um, here's the thing. I was wondering, when you think of the word pastor, what comes to mind? Because I was asked to give some pastor-like qualities of Lance. And so beyond the obvious, which is, you know, ravishingly handsome, full head of red hair, <laughs> beyond those things, what do you think of when you hear the word pastor? So the word that comes to my mind is shepherd. And shepherd to me carries this sort of visual representation of a wise person who kind of walks around and he goes from place to place with his flock. And as he goes from place to place, he experiences life with them. All right. He eats alongside them. He walks the path beside them. And to be honest, sheep smell really bad. And he has to and he has to walk through that smell with them as well. And let me tell you something about Lance Huff, so, who I've known now for like 12 and a half years. I've known Lance. And let me tell you that it was probably seven or eight years ago was without a doubt the hardest season of my life. And I will tell you that there were people who had been longtime friends of mine who absolutely couldn't stand walking through the smell of my life because I was not very fun to be around. Lance walked beside me the whole way. This man never, ever let me feel like I was walking through the valley alone, but he was always there to comfort me and to guide me. Now, something else I think of when I think of a shepherd is that a shepherd has a staff, and that staff's not just there for looks, my friends. That staff is to correct the sheep when they get out of line. I can also speak to the fact that Lance will love you as a pastor enough to tell you when he feels like you need correction. 
but he'll always do it in a way that speaks volumes and volumes of love because that's Lance's heart. And then the last thing I thought of was that the shepherd, the shepherd that we see in Luke chapter 15, when one of a hundred sheep is lost, 99 are okay, but he leaves the safety and he goes and searches out that one lost sheep. And I have seen in my years working alongside Lance that he has a passion for going out and finding the lost and the hurting and the lonely. Going out, picking them up, putting them on his shoulders and bringing them back. Lance, I love you, man. The Apostle Paul instructed churches to set order and appoint elders. We don't actually find an ordination service listed in the New Testament. The closest thing I can find is actually found in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, where they instructed the church to set apart Barnabas, set apart, I'm sorry, Barnabas and Saul for the work that they were called to. And after fasting and praying, they placed hands on them and and uh, sent them off. And this idea of, of this idea of much like this passage, we believe that God has asked us to set aside Lance for the special work that God has called him to. Now let me say it clearly, Lance did not get to this moment by himself. He had great people all along the way who prayed for him and discipled him and mentored him and encouraged him to grow up and uh, become a great man of God. And I don't know about the growing up part, but he is a great man of God. I want to say this. Many of those people are here tonight to celebrate this moment with you. And the most important are your wife, Lisa, and your son, Mason. So at this time... At this time, I'd like to invite Pastor Lance and his wife, Lisa, and his son, Mason, to come join us here on stage while they're, while they're coming. I'd like to ask the church council to join me here on the stage, and also Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Karen to come as well. Lance, by this ordination, we want to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. We are declaring as God's leaders in the church that we believe in you and that we affirm God's call on your life to be a pastor, to be our creative arts pastor. And we take this moment to celebrate the gift of you. And so I'm going to ask all of us, I'm going to ask all of you now as his church family and friends and our guests to stand in this holy moment. And we'll have some prayers by our council members, by our pastors, and then I'll close this with a final prayer of ordination. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Lance. We, uh, we just love him so much, and we are so appreciative that you have blessed our church with him and uh, the gifts that he brings to this church body, Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, we just... Uh, we, just experience the joy of watching him use those gifts. They just glorify you, Lord. 
uh, because he is so, so sold out for you. And today, Lord, as we ordain him, we just lift him up to you and ask that you would pour your spirit into him every single day, Lord. Pray that he would grow closer and closer to you, Lord. We ask that you would m allow him to minister in a powerful way for you. First to his family, pray that he would be all the husband and father you need him to be, Lord. And at this church, Lord, I pray you would just equip him in every way that he needs to serve this church, Lord. Give him patience, give him wisdom, give him rhino skin, whatever he needs, Lord. Pray you would give that to him. And then finally, to the community around him, Lord, pray that he would just be a light for you, that he would be Jesus to the people around him. Lord, we just ask that you would give him a heart of compassion for the people that are just hurting in this world, Lord, and uh, in a world that seems so divided, Lord, we pray that you would give him words that turn away wrath and help bring unity and bring the world together, Lord. And mostly, Lord, we pray that you would give him a heart for people that need to know you. And Lord, we just look forward to the way you're going to use him in a powerful way. We know that every gift that he uses is going to be a sweet fragrance to you, Lord, and we look forward to watching it happen. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for bringing Lance to Crossroads, Lord. Such a precious gift. It's been great, Lord, having him just take charge and up the level of greatness, the level of worship. Father, I just pray right now for Lance, his wife, his son, Mason. I pray and I ask that you would just watch over them. Protect them, Lord. Provide for their needs, Lord, whatever they be, emotional, financial, spiritual, mental. Give them what they need, physical. Take care of them, Lord Jesus. I ask that you would just continue to pour into Lance, Lord, that he would continue to pour into the Bay Area. I thank you for finding it a perfect time to reward him for his faithfulness. You said when we're faithful in the little things, Lord, you would make us rulers of much. And Lance has truly been faithful. He's worked hard, he's done well, and he's so humble. And I thank you, Lord. I see him every single weekend working and toiling and just trying to win souls for you. I ask that you would continue to teach him. Give him the knowledge that comes only from you, Father. And I ask that you would help him help crossroads, lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. Bless him now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of Lance to our church, God. He's not somehow supernaturally becoming a pastor today. He's been a pastor since the day he got here. And Father, just as his family, we want to acknowledge that and honor him and thank you tonight as we worship together. We thank you for his heart for you, God, his heart for people. Thank you for his heart for his family. And God, we thank you for Lisa and Mason, who are such a, a, a central part of his life, God. And I pray you just pour out your love and blessings on their family, God. Provide for their needs. And Lord, continue to multiply Lance's gifts. Thank you for how he's made us sharper and more focused. 
And God, I pray you continue to stretch and grow Lance. I pray you raise up a ministry team around him, God, that, that he can pour into and he can be more free as the days go by to just be creative and dream and plan and create. And God, I pray you'd guard his health, guard his mind, his heart, his home, guard his marriage, God, and just continue to use Lance. Thank you for Lance, God, not just our pastor, but our friend whom we love. In Christ's name we pray. May your hand of anointing be upon Lance. Use him mightily to build your kingdom here and all over the world. We ordain him to shepherd, guide, and pastor on purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, and for Jesus' sake. And everyone said, amen. amen. Congratulations. Lance, it's my great honor to present to you your certificate of ordination and to give you your first pastoral assignment. <laughs> so after we have a beautiful expression of worship, we want you to come and give a 20-minute message <laughs> in 15 minutes. <laughs> Congratulations. We love you. Amen. You may be seated. Confined to the dank blackness of the dark unknown surrounding him, he wondered what time it was in the world outside. Was the sun shining? Were the fishermen casting out their nets in the waters above him to make their first catch of the day? How far beneath the surface was he? If he somehow got out, would he be able to swim to the top? He didn't know. How long had he been there, he thought. It had to have been at least a couple days. But it was hard to tell without the light of the sun or the darkness of night to measure by. Time was relative, distorted in this place. A kind of black, swampy hell where the minutes and hours slowly just faded away. But it had to have been at least a couple days. Over and over again in his mind, he played the scenes, the choices, the moments that led him to this place and the things he could have done differently. If only he'd listened. If only he'd gone where he'd been told to go. If only he had never gotten on that ship and sailed out to sea. If only that storm hadn't scared the ship's crew the way it did. If only he hadn't been tossed overboard in the sea. But it was too late for if-onlys now. Damp, hungry, weak, tired, and afraid, Jonah sat trapped within the belly of the great fish, wondering if he would ever again see the light of another day. As you listen to the song we just heard, I wonder if it resonated with you. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been sitting next to Jonah in the belly of the whale? Have you ever been treading water, fighting against the depths of confusion and desperation and fear and crying out, God, keep my head above water. Don't let me drown. I've been there. 
If you would have asked me 15 years ago what I wanted to do with my life, pastor would not have been my first answer. It probably would not have been the second, third, fourth, or fifth answer either. While I've been actively involved with the church for pretty much my whole life, ministry as a full-time job was never really something that I'd considered. My passion was the stage. Theater, drama, acting, music, dance, lighting, stage tech, all of it. Anything having to do with plays or productions or stage shows, I absolutely loved. Still do. And I desperately wanted to pursue a career as a stage performer. The only place I ever really felt fully alive was when I was performing on stage. I felt like that was as close to a purpose as I had ever known. I mean, sure, ministry, serving at church was important and I enjoyed doing it, but it wasn't my priority. I had a decent paying full-time job. I had a fiance and family and friends that I loved to hang out with. I loved going to the movies or the theater whenever I could. Uh, I was also a member of DMLA, which is an organization devoted to developing young men into tomorrow's leaders, and I was heavily involved with that. Uh, and after all of that, when there was time, I would serve a church. But then over the course of a few months, everything changed. Lisa and I got married. We bought a small apartment. A few weeks after we moved in, we found out we were pregnant. And three days after that, I got laid off from my job. Newly married, a baby on the way, in a tiny one-bedroom apartment, with a mortgage that we now could not afford, and with absolutely no idea what to do, Lisa and I were panicked. We felt like we were drowning. I talked with everyone I could, trying to network, to try to find some direction. And as I spoke with a friend and mentor who was on staff at my church, he asked, have you ever considered using your gifts in ministry? And I kind of looked at him a little puzzled, like, what do you mean? I use my gifts in ministry all the time. I've been serving here since we were eight. Lance, have we met? Hi. Um, and he chuckled a bit and he said, I mean, have you ever considered going into full-time ministry? And I just kind of looked at him at first, waiting for the punchline, and said, no, I guess I never really thought about that. Do you really think that's a possibility for me? He smiled gently and explained that there was soon going to be a need for someone with my skills and gifts to help lead our creative arts ministry. He urged me to think and pray about the possibility of coming on staff at church. And as I did these, these questions kept popping up in me. And maybe you've wrestled with these questions at some point in your life as well. The first one was this, why me? Like this is the same question that in the Bible that is asked by Moses and Gideon and Jonah and so many others. Well, Jonah didn't exactly like outright ask this question or if he did, it didn't make it into the biblical account of his story. Uh, however, we know that he must have felt it based on his reaction when God spoke to him. Uh, check it out right in the opening lines of Jonah 1 on the screens. Uh, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, some son of Amite. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. 
But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Pretty sure that's not possible. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving Tarshish. I had to be very careful when I say that. I don't want to get in trouble in my first few minutes of pastorhood. Uh, pastorhood, is that a word? Anyway. Um, He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape the Lord again by sailing to Tarshish. Now, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and talk to the people there. And what is Jonah's response? He takes off. He's gone. He runs, well, boards a ship and sails in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He essentially says, me? No way, man. I can't do that. A one-way ticket to anywhere but here, please. And much like Jonah, when the calling of God first started to tug at my life, my first response was self-doubt. Who am I? How could God possibly want to use me in full-time ministry? I mean, this can't be right. I didn't go to school for that. What do I know? There's no way. I prayed. I talked with Lisa and other family and friends about it. And after those conversations with people and with God... What became very clear to me was that my self-doubt was both normal and completely unnecessary. When God calls us into his kingdom, when he gives us an assignment or simply asks us to lean in and listen, he's not looking for us to be perfect or to have all the answers. Uh, If he did, friends, we wouldn't need him. Friends, God is the champion of using the broken, the imperfect, the hurting, the lost, the lonely, the outcast, the afraid, the sinner to do his work. In fact, with the exception of Jesus Christ, it's the only thing he's ever done. I believe that God called me into this ministry. I've seen God use me in ways I never would have imagined so many years ago. Others have affirmed and validated this me, in me, as you heard tonight, and I truly believe that the sum of my life's experiences have brought me to this point and have led me to this role in this church at this time. The second question that I wrestled with as I examined the possibility of entering ministry was, why this? Like, I wasn't looking or asking God to put me on a church staff. I wanted to be in a theater. Maybe he got confused. There's similarities. (laughs) Jonah had his question too. In Jonah's case, it came after he obeyed God. See, he did what God asked. He went to Nineveh and he told the people there that they were going to be destroyed if God didn't, or if they didn't shape up, right? And get this, they listened. Like it worked. And as a result, God decided not to destroy the Ninevites. Check out Jonah's reaction in chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that this is what you were going to do, Lord? I mean, this is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate, God, and that you're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predict is not going to happen. <laughs> Sounded a lot like me. <laughs> Why aren't you doing what I want, God? Why won't you let me do it the way I wanted to? 
But again, after prayer and guidance, I began to understand that God wasn't asking me to abandon my dreams, only to redirect them for his kingdom. I was reminded of the Great Commission from Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And in this process of praying and talking and thinking through this, I realized that by calling me into a role where I'm able to utilize my artistic gifts to glorify God and bring people closer to him and to encourage and lead others to do the same, it's God unifying my passion, the arts, with his purpose, the Great Commission, into one. There's a verse in the Bible that God has brought me back to over and over again throughout the course of my life, especially as it pertains to ministry. Some call them life verses or theme verses, but for me, Matthew 5.16 has become like my personal mission statement. It says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That my life, what I do, the light of my life would point others to Christ. That's why I believe that I absolutely have to do this work. The last question that I wrestled with as I considered going into vocational ministry was, why now? Friends, this mission has never been more important than it is right now. Much like the song we heard earlier there are people in our community who are drowning. There are people all around us who are struggling just to keep their heads above water, and they're losing hope. Much like us, they are lost and broken and hurting and lonely, and they are longing to be pulled out of the darkness that they're stuck in. Much like Jonah, when he found himself entombed within the belly of a giant fish, now, in Jonah's case, he brought this on himself. He had defied the command of God and tried to sail away from his assignment. But while on the boat, God caused a massive storm that threatened to destroy the boat and everyone on it. Jonah, realizing that this was his fault for not listening to God, told the ship's crew to throw him overboard. And they happily obliged. And the storm stopped. But shortly after Jonah entered the water... A giant fish swam by and swallowed Jonah up, where he stayed for three days. This is where we found Jonah at the beginning of the message. Alone, afraid, full of regret and shame and sadness and despair, praying that God would pull him out and get his head above water again. From within the belly of the fish, he prayed this in Jonah 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep water surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. But... You, Lord, my God, 
brought my life up from the pit. Even from the depths of the sea. In what was most likely the worst, darkest hour of Jonah's life, God heard his prayer. And he extended mercy and love and grace. And the fish spit Jonah out on the shore in verse 10. The people in the world around us, the people we work with, the people we do life with, the people we live with, they need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that there is a loving God who cares for them who wants a relationship with them, who wants more for them than what this messed up world has to offer. They need to know the hope that we find in Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you go through deep waters, say it with me, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, say it with me, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, say it with me, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. When the waters of trouble are swirling high around our necks, God is with us. He won't let us drown. And I believe that God has me here at Crossroads during this pivotal time to help us lead our creative arts teams in a way that we can use the arts that points people back to him and that incredible truth. And we are committed to using any and all forms of art to accomplish that goal, much like you saw tonight. And I do want to thank so much our worship team, Chrisley and Rachel, for making that song so beautiful in expression of worship. Yeah. But friends, that's the mission of Crossroads. You've heard it a couple times tonight. To lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. It's what he has called our church to do since day one. Paul and Karen have faithfully led this out for over 23 years, along with so many of you. And today, I am so blessed. I'm so grateful to be serving as a pastor in this church. With each of you... doing exactly what I believe God has called me to do. I thank God. I thank you for this incredible honor. I'm both humbled and deeply moved by your trust and love for me. And I mean it when I say that this is, if this is the last job I ever have, that would make me really, really happy. <laughs> but our time together tonight is not about me. Because for as much as God has called me into ministry, like Paul said earlier, I believe that he has called each of us as well. He may not be calling you to change your career, but I believe that he has called each one of us to be ministers, to shape, the, to, pardon me, to share the hope and love of Christ with the world. No matter how you make a living, we can all make a difference and have an impact for Christ in the world. Because the truth is, if he can use me, he can use anyone. <laughs> uh, 
Back in September, we did a series uh, based on the NBC TV show, This Is Us. Uh, and as we were planning that series, our worship leaders, uh, JD and Will, they got together and wrote a song that kind of became like our theme song for the series. Um, and over the course of the six weeks, we sang it every week. And over that time, we heard from so many of you how, you how much you enjoyed that song and how it spoke to you and was connecting in your lives. To me, this song is a perfect example of how the arts can be used to bring us closer to God. This song, written by our team, for our church, for this season of ministry, and it has been such a blessing to us. And so as we wrap up tonight, I've asked our team to lead us in that song, This Is Us. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Father God, each one of us here tonight, we're here for a reason. God, I believe that you have put the call on each of our lives to be an instrument of your kingdom in the world. God, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that your love, your light, your hope would radiate through each and every one of us so that when people see us, when they see what we do, when they see the lives that we lead, it would point them back to you. God, as we continue in worship tonight, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for each of us and that by calling us your sons and your daughters, you have made us a family where we can look and say, this is us. In your name we pray, amen.